Welcome back to Decarb Connects podcast. And this week, I am very, very pleased to be joined by Brett Perlman, who is CEO for the Centre for Houston's Future. Um, Brett, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thanks, Alex. Thanks for having me. And an interesting, uh, kind of a, a very different kind of organisation, actually, than we've had on the podcast before. So for those uh, from further afield who don't know, uh, the Centre for Houston's Future is a non-profit and I guess there's a number of things we're going to hear about how you're working uh, to secure Houston's future. But most interesting is it's kind of recent market assessment that your team produced on the opportunities for Houston in uh, areas around hydrogen, electrification and, and things like that. So all of this points towards a conversation, I guess, about how do we move cities, not just industries, but cities and regions towards a, a lower carbon uh, economy. So great, great to have you here, Brett. Uh, thanks, Alex. Uh... Very happy to be here. And yes, the, the Center for Houston's Future is an organization that really focuses on thinking globally and acting locally. That's kind of our mantra. We're looking at these big global trends and their impact on the Houston region. So uh, very pleased to talk a little bit about our work on, um, on decarbonization and on hydrogen in particular. Great. Well, let's kick off then with the question that I ask everybody on this podcast, which is that how have you arrived at this moment in time, you know, personally, What's what's led you to this role and to the work that you're doing at the moment? Yeah, so my, my background is in um, both in public policy and management consulting. So I started my career as a lawyer, but quickly um, uh, migrated into um, management consulting. I was at a, a consulting firm for about six years, and then I served on the Public Utility Commission of Texas, which is our electric and um, utility regulator in the late 90s. Uh, early part of this uh, now we're talking century, and when I was there, we um, we went through the restructuring of the electric market in Texas, and uh, that experience really was a, a formative one for me. I saw the opportunity uh, through policy to to really shape industries, and uh, so fast forward uh, almost um, twenty years later. We're doing similar work at the uh, Center for Houston's Future. We're doing work to help shape a new industry, uh, really not a new industry, an industry that exists, but uh, to try to make it a clean industry, a decarbonized industry. And so that's what we're doing uh, with our work um, uh, around industrial emissions at the center. Okay, great. That's a good, good kind of a good sort of piece of context, I think, for what we're going to talk about. And, and definitely interesting your comment on that experience of having seen like a big restructure of an energy market. Sometimes one of the challenges seems to be just how people even imagine what's possible. And you've seen what's possible. You know, you've been through a fairly sizable change yourself, you know, and seen that, how it works. So, as I said, like your focus is on Houston, the surrounding area. So give us a give us a feel for right now. What What is the status quo in Houston? So we know it's this big energy capital. We know that the, the kind of industrial complex around it is very rooted in oil, gas, petrochem and so forth. What's the status quo right now in getting that to move towards a lower carbon economy? So we, we decided to uh, work uh, that our work would focus in terms of our contribution on climate change to something uh, that was somewhat unique to Houston, which was decarbonization of the in- industrial sector. Um, Houston, as, as you pointed out, has this amazing uh, oil and gas uh, complex uh, produces about a, a fourth of the um, oil and gas uh, in the country, uh, but it also produces um, uh, quite a bit of, um, of CO2 and uh, about um, 50 million metric tons a year. Um, and so one of the challenges that we have 
is how do we continue to uh, how do we decarbonize that industry um, and transform it uh, while still creating the products and services uh, that people around the globe demand. And so this idea of um, industrial decarbonization is is both about economic development. Uh, it's about growing uh, the industry, but it's also about decarbonizing the industry. And at the center, I think we can we can do both. So we have a belief that um, uh, Houston can become not only an energy capital but a low carbon energy capital, and that's that's the work we're doing. So, so where do you start with that? You know, that's such a kind of massive kind of uh, massive leap, a massive change. Where, where does where does one start in that, and what kind of role can uh, your organization play in that? Do you think? Yeah, and so we started this journey. Um, uh, Three or four years ago, and of course, uh, we're a small organization, nonprofit. So our role was simply to do um, uh, research and convening, uh, to facilitate, to um, uh, organize, to uh, try to catalyze. Those are things that we do at the center. Obviously, the um, the companies that are um, in the industry are the ones that have to to, um, to 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 make the changes happen. And so our job is really to try to to work with. Um, companies, with NGOs, with governmental entities, to bring them all together uh, to create the fact base um, that we can all uh, look at the same facts, because you might be entitled to your opinion, uh, as uh, Daniel Moynihan once said, but we're not, we're not entitled to, the, to a separate set of facts. So a lot of the research we did <laughs> do is around creating that fact base, and we're doing that. Uh, that's where, the, where we started this research, or started this project. And then from there, we go on to create coalitions and then to identify opportunities. And so that's really the work, the work we do. And, um, and that journey started four years ago, like I said, with uh, basically defining what the landscape was for industrial emissions. And what we quickly found was that there were four major things that we could do. Uh, we could capture all the carbon um, coming out of the um, smokestacks around the refineries in Houston. That would be... Uh, uh, a big part of it. Uh, by doing that, we could also um, uh, create a, um, a, a real interesting opportunity in, um, in hydrogen because we use a lot of hydrogen in Houston. So we could um, create a decarbonized um, product, blue, what some people call blue hydrogen, which then we could then work, use to um, replace uh, other, uh, uh, other more polluting uh, types of fuels. Um, such, such as diesel, uh, we looked at electrification, and we, um, from my prior work, I knew that Houston had, or the Texas, the um, what we call the ERCOT power market, was the leader in, in wind and solar, and so we have that resource, and we have to think about how to grow that and, and then use that uh, as a decarbonization tool. And then finally, petrochemicals, the fourth area, we identified not only ways to um, uh, recycle and create new products, but also to transform the manufacturing sector. And so, so our work is really um, about those four drivers, carbon capture, hydrogen, electrification, and uh, petrochemicals, and how we decarbonize each of, each of those. So I'm, I'm interested, you know, in that kind of four-year time span, what, what you've seen or heard change in, a, in, the, in how these conversations and how these discussions and plans are received because we we see you know in our own work at DCARB that there has been a shift in sort of momentum and certainly a shift in perhaps 
what different types of companies are, are now able to focus on that even a year ago they couldn't quite necessarily get their heads around what, what's your sense of how you know how how's the conversation and the reception of this information shifted in the last four years i think we are um, seeing a major shift in the um, particularly with the energy majors and so some were already there but some are moving in this direction now but i think they're all united in this idea um, that we need to address climate change, that we have to decarbonize our planet, um, and that we have to do it with some urgency. So we are all working uh, feverishly uh, to try to make that happen. Um, and so I think that is perhaps the big change that we saw. Now, obviously, there's uh, lots of room for different um, ideas on how that might be done and the speed at which that transition might occur. But I think we all agree that it's something that we have to do with um, with some with some urgency. And so uh, so that's the work we're doing. And I think that's the alignment that we now have among all the companies um, in the energy space in Houston, almost without exception, uh, to um, to go down this to go on this journey with us uh, to 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 uh, to to transform uh, our energy sector. Mm. Okay, well, let, let's, should we dig in a little bit to that, the report that I, I mentioned at the start then, and I know hydrogen is particularly a piece of that, that you're, you, you and I were going to uh, talk through here, but tell me, tell me about the, those, you know, what, what's been the outcome of that work? So one of the things that happened is um, we started to put together, as I mentioned, that we um, take our research and we try to move it towards action and activities and identify opportunities. And so we put together a coalition of um, of companies, of, um, of governmental agencies, of nonprofits, all to work on this on this idea of um, of, of hydrogen as a potential uh, tool in the toolkit for decarbonization. And so we created a coalition. We now have I just checked last night. Uh, we have over 500 um, individuals uh, involved from companies, uh, over 100 companies, uh, a number of um, uh, nonprofits, a number of governmental agencies, and other number of academic institutions, and so we've really created a large coalition to think about, um, in particular, uh, hydrogen because Houston is a, a large producer of hydrogen, uh, emits a lot of CO2, and so it seems like the logical place to start if you're going uh, to decarbonize uh, the industrial sector in Houston. And that coalition's kind of plan then. So what, what what's going to happen with that? Is it is it I suppose one of the things I'm interested in is it is it going to kind of actually form projects or is it more kind of advising the types of projects that could happen? And so right now we're doing some research. Again, we start with building a fact base. So we're working with McKinsey and Company to build that fact base for hydrogen to identify a set of projects. Obviously, um, we can't do the projects. We have to have the uh, the companies who own the assets do the projects, and so we are working on working with them on identifying those projects, uh, making sure that we're addressing the um, envi- uh, local environmental aspects of those projects. So as you know, a big uh, focus of this is environmental justice and for the Biden administration. And so we're we're looking at how can we do this in a way that doesn't create more negative impacts. Um, and so we're in the process of, of uh, working to create a coalition uh, that can go forward on um, on all of those activities, on on developing the projects, on uh, creating uh, opportunities um, for uh, and leadership for the companies, and then for bringing along 
um, the rest of the community uh, and enabling uh, those uh, those activities. And so that's the work that we're doing right now. And what's your, as you look ahead, what's your sentence? Is it is the kind of um, the, the primary challenge one of finance, like how you put the project together in that commercial structure? Or do you think, is it just more, you know, the, the market for hydrogen in that hydrogen example? What's your sense of the bit that really needs solving in order to gain even more momentum? Yeah, that's a great question. Because uh, if you had asked me that a, a month, even a month ago, I would have said, wow, this is just a, te- this is a technology challenge. Um, because um, what we're trying to do is not only to decarbonize the existing forms of hydrogen production, which are primarily from uh, oil and gas, natural gas, but we're also trying to um, create new forms of hydrogen production in the form of um, what people call green hydrogen, which is produced from splitting water into hydrogen and oxygen. Um, and so when I, if you'd asked me a month ago, I would have said the biggest challenge is getting down the cost curve for both of these technologies and making them cost effective. What I think our realization has been is that, um, and this plays into Houston's strengths, is that the real challenge is creating the demand for these products and services. And so all these products and services have what Bill Gates calls a green premium. And so today, um, if you want, you can do this, for example, either one, you can do um, electrolysis, you can do SMR. They're both more expensive and will be more expensive for um, at least for the foreseeable future than uh, the way we produce hydrogen today, um, with this, which is uh, what people call gray hydrogen. So if we want to move from gray to blue to green, uh, then we're going to have to pay for that and someone's going to have to buy it. And so a lot of our job right now is trying to figure out who those buyers are, because we believe in markets. That's the experience that we had with the electric restructuring example I gave you before. If we can make we, the government doesn't have enough money to put into decarbonization to, to make this happen. Um, there's $63 billion, and that seems like a lot of money, and it is in the um, infrastructure bill with President Biden signed, but it's a drop in the bucket of what we're going to need in terms of private capital for, um, for creating, you know, achieving this huge task. And so the real trick here is how do we get, um, how do we get markets to work? so that pri- the private sector can invest a- alongside government uh, to make this happen. And so in order to get markets to work, we need for people to want to buy these uh, products, cleaner products, and to pay that green premium. And so what I would say our biggest challenge is, is working on the demand side as opposed to the supply side. While we have all kinds of technical challenges on the supply side, uh, um, you know, our real what we call adaptive challenge is changing the way that people think about and are willing to pay for some of these products. So that is, um, that, that's the work we're doing right now is dealing with that, uh, what we call uh, adaptive challenge of, of trying to get people to, um, uh, to uh, pay more for what they're paying for today because it's cleaner and better for the environment. So I know um, some other states and regions in the U.S. and also, you know, the U.N. level, there's kind of governments being gradually sort of pushed into the the commitments to buy green products. What's your sense for Texas, for Houston? Is that one of the levers through the connections that you have to policymakers? Do you think, is there an avenue there to make the kind of the region, the the city, the kind of state infrastructure, one of those buyers of green premium products? So what's your thought on that? 
Oh, yes, I think uh, government can be a, a driver of this, both in terms of creating the um, uh, the incentives to do this uh, from uh, you know, from an infrastructure side, but also and that's what's in the um, that's what's in the uh, the infrastructure bill, but also in terms of uh, helping to drive the market. And um, and so we are uh, working uh, and have submitted comments to the Department of Energy as uh, late as this week on how the Department of Energy might become uh, start to provide a, a play a role in um, in helping on the demand side as well as the supply side. And um, and there's lots of ways they can do it. You can do it through uh, certain market mechanisms. And uh, in Europe, you you all call those uh, feed-in tariffs or contracts for differences. Uh, but there are other ways that government, as a buyer of, um, of of energy, because government is a big buyer. Um, the city of Houston, for example, is the largest uh, buyer of electricity. People don't know that uh, in Houston. And so uh, so government has a lot of power as a, not only as a a regulator, as a um, uh, you know, uh, as a policymaker, but also as a buyer, and so we're trying to get uh, that third role, that role of government as a um, a buyer, uh, to uh, to help play to be part of the uh, discussion here. I know when we were doing our prep call for this, you I, I can't remember if I asked you or if you had mentioned that um, you had been sort of talking to other cities, I guess probably in the states, but also I believe in the UK, or you had connections in the UK and sort of looking for examples of models that were working elsewhere. So what sorts of things have you taken from those sort of external connections that you think could be useful models or ideas um, to look to look into? Yeah, so we are uh, in the UK in particular, we've been talking to the, the UK government um, uh, started a process about a year ahead of the US, maybe a little longer, uh, to, um, to go down this way of creating what people call hydrogen hubs. And, um, and you have some of them in the UK up and running. And so we have been talking to uh, the leaders of uh, the UK, uh, leaders of those regional development um, groups similar to ours about how they how they um, have made this work and how the UK government ran that process. And it's very interesting. Some of the takeaways from that work are um, ex you know are are things that we can implement in the U.S. And so one example is um, people are thinking in the U.S. about these hydrogen hubs as being competitive. That this, there's this great competition, and we're very good on competition in the in the U.S. Uh, on winning, and and but this is not about uh, competing against other regions, uh, as we've come to find out. It's it, it's really about you know how do we decarbonize the um, uh, you know uh, decarbonize the planet, and so as opposed to thinking about this as a competition with winners, what we ought to be doing, and this was the insight from the U.K., is we ought to be incentivizing all regions of the United States, just as the UK government has done, to um, uh, to begin get involved in this large, <clears throat> important effort. And so this idea of um, of starting lots of, um, uh, I think I described it before, lots of small fires uh, that turn into, um, you know, to, to, uh, to bigger, um, uh, to bigger fires and, you know, uh, start to fan the uh, flames of, of that. That's really the role of government. And I think that's what the UK government did very well. Uh, turned what could have been a competitive thing into something where a collaborative thing where all regions of the of the country are working uh, to decarbonize, um, uh, you know, uh, the industrial sector in the UK. And I think we're trying to, I think the Department of Energy will probably likely do the same thing uh, in the US. Uh, they'll start a number of planning opportunities across the country 
Uh, don't want to leave anyone out. Don't want to leave Texas out. Don't want to leave Louisiana out. Um, don't want to leave the east or west coast out. They all have, all these ideas are good. They're all required uh, to um, to move us forward. And so, really, having everybody uh, working on this hard problem is what it's going to take uh, to solve it. And that's, I think, the insight uh, that we um, took away from that work. So let's not think about this as a competition. Uh, you know, we can have some of that friendly competition is good, but let's think of this as a, um, a grand scheme that we all need to embark on uh, to decarbonize. And in fact, the DOE uh, has called those earth shots. Uh, so they've even put a name on that and they've invoked uh, the great speech that John F. Kennedy, by the way, gave in Houston uh, almost 60 years ago, uh, where he um, suggested that we could go to the, you know, we could put a man on the moon in 10 years. And so I think Secretary Granholm in that same uh, vein has uh, started to talk about uh, what can we do uh, to have these uh, earth shots uh, to accomplish the same goal. And that takes us all working together. If you remember, uh, Houston was the head of um, uh, manned space flight, but uh, lots of places in the country, California, Florida, obviously, even places like Mississippi, uh, are all been places, Huntsville is one of the biggest, or sorry, Alabama is one of the biggest uh, places where I think um, uh, rockets are made today. So, uh, so we all have a role and uh, we ought to be thinking about this not as a, a competition, but as something we're all engaged in. And so that's the work that we're doing at the center and what we learned from our colleagues in the UK. Okay, and then just a kind of, I guess, a kind of closing, well, I don't know why it's my closing question, because really it's a massive question, which is about your perspective on the infrastructure bill in the US. And I don't know, do you, is, it, is it looking like it's set up in a way that can, can really help you and the kind of the coalition you formed achieve your goals? Or does it leave gaps? Or I don't know, what's your, what's your view on that bill? Well, I think there were two parts of... Um, uh, the Biden administration's plans on um, on uh, decarbonization or on the clean energy. The first one was the infrastructure bill. Obviously, that passed, as I mentioned, the $63 billion. I also mentioned that $63 billion isn't enough money to, to do this alone. Uh, and so you, need a, you do need the second half of it, which are the um, uh, things that we use in terms of other tools and toolkits, such as uh, production tax credits and investment tax credits and those were in the uh, Build Back Better. That seems to be uh, stalled, at least uh, right now in Congress. Uh, so, so that's the other half of it. Um, uh, I think we can make significant progress uh, with the, uh, the money in the infrastructure bill, because I mentioned that it's uh, quite significant, the biggest investment the federal government has ever made in, in energy transformation. But I think the other piece of it, the... Um, Build back better would accelerate, would simply accelerate the this. So if we do believe that uh, climate change, addressing climate change is an imperative, I think having that other tool would be give us additional uh, tools in the toolkit, things to work with as well. So I, I think we have a good uh, a good foundation, and the question is just the rate of change that we want to um, engage on this journey. Mm -hmm. And coming back to a previous point you made, which we hear a lot about around the world, which is most of these industrial companies will move at a pace that matches market demand. Ultimately, you know, they are not nonprofits, they are commercial entities, and they will respond to that market pull. So it's sort of interesting to see how how that will play out. Yes, no, I think uh, markets, I think I said, very powerful things. 
And if we can harness markets for decarbonization, then I think we can do this very quickly and and meet those challenges of um, reducing half our emissions by 2030 and becoming net zero by 2050. Great. Well, Brett, thanks for talking to me today. I, I sort of feel like we're going to need an annual, or if not, biannual check-in <laughs> because things are moving so fast, aren't they? And, and the kind of the work that you're doing, whilst it, whilst our focus is often on industry, yours is on city and the industries that you know that form that city. I just think there's so many correlations between how a city responds, how a region responds, and how industry responds. So it'll be interesting to check in with you again uh, as your plans and as the coalition progresses. So thank you. Great. Thanks, Alice. Many thanks for listening to the Decarb Connect podcast. We work with clients across the industrial sectors, specifically those who are tasked with decarbonizing the most energy intensive products and materials that we use every day. If you have an interest in uh, learning more about either our members network, our reports or our event series, do get in touch with us at decarbconnect.com. Or if you'd like to take part in the podcast, email me, alex at ac at decarbconnect.com. Thanks for listening.